You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Last night, uh, yes, all last week, last night, and this morning, I've been uh, like, I've had two messages and uh, didn't know which one to preach. And then during uh, worship, the Lord really solidified this in me. And I'm going to talk, I mean, not that you needed to know all of that, but anyways, uh, I'm going to tell you something. We are built to win. It's in our name. You are, you need to make it personal. You're built to win. And you need to say to yourself, I am built to win. You can go ahead and say that right now. I am built to win. I had a conversation recently with um, some of my uh, denominational uh, pastors, friends, um, and they said, you know, there's not going to be any Baptists in heaven. There's not going to be any Lutherans in heaven. There's not going to be any, all of this stuff. And uh, meaning the denom- denominations that believe the people will be there. <laughs> Let me say it more clearly. There won't be those denominations in heaven. And meaning like, let's just come together in unity. And it's, and I said, yeah, but you do realize to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, right? Read in Revelation, it says to him who overcomes. I said, there will be overcomers in heaven, just so you're aware of that. So I like to have a little bit of fun with that. But the truth is, is that it's not just the name of our church. It really is. It's in our DNA and it's in our DNA as, as children of God. As, as sons of God, we are built by God to win. This really started long before Jesus even came on the scene in the, in, you know, in physical form that God created humans. He created us to win. I don't know if you ever really thought about that, but we were not destined to be impoverished spiritually, uh, financially, uh, we were not destined for sickness. We were not destined to be broken people. We were not destined to be in lack of joy and peace. We were not destined for anything to reign over us. We were destined to reign over everything else. Amen. Let's look at this a little bit more from the word, and I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis is the most important book maybe in the whole Bible next to Ephesians and Romans. I think Genesis is uh, you just have to, you have to know the first three chapters of it really well. And things start to make sense as to why Jesus came. Brokenness came, brokenness came between God and man, and Jesus came to restore it. Adam was the first Adam. There's been a whole bunch of other Adams, but Jesus was the last Adam. The restoration that Jesus brought to us when he came to this earth settled things for forever. And there's no more working to be in relationship with God. Praise God for that. And so um, hold your place in Genesis chapter 1, and let's go, and I want to pull Third John chapter 1, verse 2 up here, and we're going to go back to Genesis in just one moment. Third John chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Somebody say all things. And just so everybody is aware, all in the Greek means all. Very good. <laughs> And be in health just as your soul prospers. So let me read this again. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That phrase, just as, means in accordance to 
or it's conditional upon your soul prospering. Whenever things got messed up in the garden, in which we're getting ready to see that here, whenever things got messed up in the garden, there was a brokenness that entered into man. And I've, I've found the biggest battle that I have faced in my life has not been out in the heavenlies. And the truth is, is that's the biggest battle that all of us are facing is not out in the heavenlies, but it really is right here. It's in our mind. It's in our heart. It really, it's not even here. We, we point to our mind here, but that's where your physical brain is. But your mind is in, it's in your thoughts. It's in, um, you know, it's tied to your heart. It's, it's part of your, your inner man. And that's really where the war is taking place. And so we have to understand something that whenever the enemy came in and messed things up because Adam and Eve gave their authority, which we're getting ready to read here over to the enemy, there was a long period of time where Satan had the upper hand. But when Jesus came on the scene, he stripped Satan of all of his power. Not some of it, all of it. The only thing he does is go about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You just have to get to the de determination to where you're not going to be a whom. Only a whom that can't be devoured, but you're not a whom that's going to be devoured. Why? How can you have confidence in that? It's because you have been seated with him in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and rulers and dominions and all the powers of darkness. Satan has no authority in your life, period. And if you understand this, then you can go right to where the battle is taking place, which is internally lies, deceptions, the propaganda of the enemy. When you realize that's the only front he has to fight on, then what you do is you sure up this stuff in here and you stand in the victory that you have in Christ because you are built to win. God designed humans to win. He built humans to win. Jesus rebuilt us, if you will, to stand in the place of victory, and all we have to do is enforce it, period. Let's look here in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. What is that talking about? That's talking about your identity, your spiritual identity, and it's talking about your physical form. I mean, this needs to be re-preached from pulpits all across the, the, the nation, is that the Lord has given us a spiritual identity, and he has given us a physical identity. You talk about the enemy really coming in and messing things up right now. We have people questioning their physical identity that they have, but we have a physical identity. And if you're ever confused about that or someone that you know is, just tell them to check their plumbing. <laughs> it will tell you exactly who you are. And isn't it just like the enemy? And we're going to see this a little bit more here. But the very first thing he comes in to attack is our identity. Because if he has your identity, then he will have your purpose. And I'm going to define these things for you. And then he will stop your assignment. Adam and Eve had identity, and we just read it right here. They had identity given to them, and in that, they also found purpose, which is loving God. The reason why you were on this earth, why you were created, is to be with him, period. But then they had an assignment, which was to have dominion over the earth, to, to, to fill it, to multiply, all those things. So here in verse 26, it says, Then God said to them, or God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You hear that, ladies? You have authority over creeps. Verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Let me tell you something. Ladies, you are just as much made in the image of God as any man. You read what it says here? It says, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Adam was not only a man. He was a man and a woman created in the image of God. Mind equals blown right now? Or I don't know. It's quiet in here. See, then when he put a sleep on Adam, he took, he took Eve out of Adam. He made Eve out of Adam. And so then Adam was a whole person, but he wasn't complete until he was joined to Eve. Women are just as much made in the image as men are. And men are just as much made in the image of God as women are. True story. You can go back and study that and let your mind be blown a little bit more. I was reading that one day. I was like, oh, my goodness. He created he, them, Male and female, he created them. I'm looking at your all's faces, and some of you are like, that's blasphemy. Adam was a man. After Eve was departed from him, he was only a man. He was both together. There's a lot in here that we don't even know about. It's quiet in here. Okay, let's talk about Nephilim right now. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about that. But I encourage you, don't watch videos too late on it. It'll keep you up really late at night. How tall were they, really? But then listen here in verse 28. Here's the assignment. It says, then God blessed them. Listen, when you have the blessing of God on you, you have everything you need. What you have in terms of your family, your health, and the, the, the list of things could go down, it's a result of being blessed. When you know you are blessed, if things are taken from you, you don't have the, to worry because the blessing will retain it back, get it back to you. So this is why when, when people ask me oftentimes, like, how are you doing? I'll say, I'm blessed. I am blessed. My Current condition could be really challenging at the moment, but my answer is still, I am blessed. Why? Because it's the condition that God has made me. I am a blessed person. It says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What was that? That was their assignment. First, he said, I'm going to make you in my image and my likeness, identity, and in that, they found their purpose, which was to have relationship with the Lord. And you fast forward to Genesis chapter 3, it seemed very common that God would come to them in the cool of the day and have fellowship with man. They had their identity, they had their purpose, and then they had their assignment. And you know what the enemy is ultimately after? He's after our assignment. He wants us to, to not be able to finish our assignment. When you go back in the garden, this is what I, I read between the lines. And so I, this is maybe a little bit of Kentology, but I believe that this is accurate. I've heard other people say this too, is that the garden 
the rest of the earth was not built like the garden. That the garden was where God first created the stuff and then, you know, all of the birds and the, you know, all, all of those things. And then he put man in the garden and he said, have dominion over this, be fruitful and multiply. And what he wanted them to do was stretch their dominion over the entire earth and take over the entire earth. Their assignment was to fill the earth with people that would have relationship with God. And you know what the enemy wanted is he wanted to come in and rob them of their assignment. Why? Because he wanted to be the one to rule the earth. And we know this from Isaiah chapter 14. It says that, that Satan said to himself or to whoever, he said, I will ascend and be like the most high God. He wanted to be the one that was ruling. I mean, he just made it abundantly clear. And <laughs> this is getting off into some things. Let me just throw you some other stuff you probably hadn't thought about. The fall of Satan was about money. <laughs> you can find this in Ezekiel. All of the gold, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, all of that stuff, it says it belonged to him. The love of those things was the root of the evil in his heart that wanted to overthrow God and be like God. Because what does the Bible say? The love of money. Not money. Money's never the problem. The love of money is the root of all evil. He thought he was something special because of what, was, what he had, but what he had was given to him anyways. You know that it's... <laughs> I'm messing with some of your all's theology. You just got to go back and read the scriptures and you'll start to see stuff like, wow, I never saw that before. You know that it says, um, I forget the chapter. I want to say it's 38, but I don't know if that's right. But in Ezekiel, it's, it says that he was in the garden and he was there playing music. I heard one minister say that he was music, that music came from him. This is why it's such a stronghold in our society. And so, however all the things fell in place with the timing and this, that, and the other, he thought himself to be something worth being like God and really to reign and rule on the earth. What, at what time that took place in the history of the earth, you can go and debate that between young earth and old earth people. <laughs> and I have some of my favorite ministers believe both ways, but know this, that the enemy wanted to reign and rule. And instead of God allowing that, he said, I'm actually going to create some people that are going to be made in my likeness and in my image. I'm going to give them this beautiful garden. They're going to have authority and dominion over that. And as much as they want to, they can cover the entire earth. By the way, I'm going to put Lucifer on the earth. And he's going to have to watch all of this for eternity. I'm putting him there as punishment for my people that I'm going to create to torture him. Some of you thought Satan was here to torture us. You didn't realize that you were placed here to torture him. You were made, to, you were built to win. You were made by God to have dominion. Right here. This was the original assignment. Satan was after the assignment because he wanted that assignment because he wanted the glory for himself. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 3. Some of y'all getting something out of this? Is your mind going tilt a little bit? It's fine. 
it's good for our minds to go tilt a little bit. That means that we, we're learning things new, or we're being stretched to learn things new. Look here in Genesis chapter 3. Oh, man, I love this. Oh, let's just start in verse 1 and have some fun. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So he was tempting her. And, and the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of garden, in the midst of the garden, all truth up till that point. God has said, you shall not eat it. Truth up to that point. Now here's where she gets off. Nor shall you touch it lest you die. God never said you can't touch it. He said, don't eat of it. Why did she say that? I believe it's because she was trying to convince herself that if she would go and touch it and just see that it didn't hurt her, then she would be able to, to eat it. Temptation always works in steps. And if we're not careful, we'll invent things in our own mind to get us to the place that we shouldn't be that the enemy is trying to bring us into. And so we have to be careful of that. Have you ever went to like look at a piece of property or a car or, you know, maybe a, and it could be smaller than that, but something and you really wanted that something, but you didn't have peace about it on the inside, but you really wanted it but you didn't have peace about it, but you really wanted it. And so what do we do when we get in that position? Well, we have the opportunity to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm not going to get off into the flesh and try to figure things out on my own. Or we can start to justify why we think it's a right decision. I'm not calling anyone out. I'm speaking from experience here. I've lost a lot of money buying stupid stuff. And I found a trail of deception in my own mind leading me to go, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to go ahead, I want to get that thing. Because it looks more promising than what it really is. Amen. That was all free. Let's keep going here. It says, uh, in verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day, here it is, the day you eat of, of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The way, listen to this, the way he gets you to not fulfill your assignment or your destiny, what you do on the earth, is to get you to question or mess up your identity. Because once your foundation is destroyed, you will not be able to fulfill the assignment that God has for you. Our, found, our foundation has to be our identity in Christ, in specific now on this side of the cross. It has to be our identity in Christ. The way that the enemy gets us to not fulfill our assignment is to mess up our identity. Can I get the whiteboard up here really quickly? And I want to I draw, this, draw this out. I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I'm going to draw this out. I think this will really help. Thank you, sir. The enemy... I used to say he's really after our identity, and he is, but there's a reason why, and it's because he wants us to not be able to fulfill our assignment. Thank you. You better, better lock it. Thank you, sir.
So this right here represents our assignment. We talk about nerve-wracking. It's quiet in the room. Everybody's waiting for you to write, and you don't have great handwriting. It's a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> this is just a way to just kind of kind of depict this. We're not triangles. Our lives are not triangles or whatever. But you know that a triangle is actually the, the strongest structure that there is because the, the base is so secure and so strong. And here's the thing is that the enemy, he, you know that our assignment is basically the same assignment that Adam and Eve had. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion. But it's not just that we're reproducing natural beings. We're reproducing spiritual beings when we lead people to Jesus and get them born again. You're procreating the earth spiritually whenever you lead people to Jesus. Our assignment is basically the exact same thing. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. He wasn't talking about the, the natural lineage because he, in that sense, he wasn't the firstborn, but he was the firstborn from the dead. And now we have many that have been born from the dead. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are brothers and sisters, not only of, of each other, but of Christ. And every time we lead somebody to the Lord, we are fulfilling our assignment. But what the enemy is after to keep us from doing that is to rob us of purpose and to rob us of our identity. Here's the definition that the Lord has given me for what these things are. You could also put this assignment could be your destiny. You could put that in there. Uh, assignment is what we do with our existence. It's what we do. Sometimes people will call it their calling. If I have time, I'll get into talking about our calling. But sometimes people call it, call it their calling. That's not really what it is. You're, you're, the calling basically is, we use this term all the time, but almost every time it talks about it in the scriptures, it's the Lord calling to us by na name, giving us an invitation to have a relationship with him. That's really the calling, biblically, the calling of the Lord. But the assignment is what we do, but it is not who you are. We have to have a defining line in us between our function and our identity. Because who you are, as soon as who you are becomes what you do, or what you do becomes who you are, you have just replaced your identity with something that's faulty. What we do is incredibly important, and it is our assignment. But what happens if you miss your assignment? If your identity is based on what you're doing, then your foundation is going to crumble. Our identity is supposed to be in who we are, not, not on this side of the cross, it's not as human beings, but it's as born again, spirit-filled, new creations in Christ. And when you see that that's who you are and that's what you have, and the fact that that doesn't change based on how well you fulfill your assignment, then the enemy can't mess with you anymore. I used to always feel like I wasn't doing enough for God, and it made me question my identity, my spiritual makeup. Like, is God still pleased with me? Am I still right with God? And I would go through all of these 
you know, these religious calisthenics. And it's because I didn't understand that there was a difference between my assignment and my identity. Now, let me finish reading these things to you. Your, your, your assignment or your destiny is what we do with our existence. Now, you might have different definitions for these, but I've been praying about these a lot these, this year. And I feel like the Lord gave me clarity because we throw these terms out about destiny, purpose, vision, calling. And I'm like, Lord, help me understand these things. Your assignment or destiny is what we do. It's what we do with our existence. Our purpose is why we are in existence. Your purpose in this life is not to lead other people to the Lord. Why you were created is not to lead other people to the Lord. Purpose has never changed since the foundation of the, the world. Since God created man, purpose has never changed. It's to be with him. The reason why he created us is to be with him. And then our identity is who we are in our, our existence. It's, it's who you are. And being in Christ, the Bible says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So again, there's a fulfillment of assignment. That's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's identity uh, to do good works. That's assignment, right? And the way that we're able to understand identity and fulfill assignment is we stay in our purpose. Because when you get with Jesus, he will tell you who you are, and then he will send you to do what you're supposed to do. One of the worst things that the, the church, if I, could go, if I could go back the last hundred years and give the church a big spiritual spanking, this is what I would do, is I would go to every minister that ever put people's assignment above helping them understand their purpose and identity, and I would, the spirit of slap would come all over me. Because what happens is that people... They get so tied to what they're doing, they find their fulfillment in what they're doing. They find identity in what they're doing. They find a pause from man from what they're doing. They find a pause from the pastor for what they're doing. And then when they're not doing well, all of that goes away. But because they don't understand who they are, they become a broken mess. And this is why John said, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health just as or in accordance to the prosperity in your soul, the health inside of you. How do we get that fixed? We have to know who we are. It's, it's got to become the very foundation of everything about our existence is we know who we are. And it's the enemy's job. If you could say he has a job, it's his job to convince you that you are somebody different than who God says that you really are. Adam and Eve could not have been any more like God than, who, than, than they already were. Remember, it says that God created them in his likeness and in his image. And what did he say to them? He said, the day you eat of the tree, then you'll be like God. It was a lie. He said the same lie to Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God. And he went and repeated that three different times. What was he doing? Trying to get him to question his identity. And you know what happens now? Because we haven't separated our assignment or our function or our destiny from our identity is that when we miss it, when we mess up, when we blow it, the enemy comes in and says, look what you did, you are, and he will begin to call us and label us according to our failed assignment. You can fail at your assignment. You can technically even fail at your purpose. 
and you'll still be who you are in Christ. Now, if you don't connect with Jesus and your purpose loving on him, you can forget about it because he's where the source of life comes from. We have to humble ourselves to be there, to find grace to do what he wants us to do and all of that. But if you have an, if you have an identity that's strong, you can have things come at you. You can have things come against you. You can fail. You can miss the mark and you will and not be shaken by it. Because you can bet that if your identity in Christ is not shirt up, then the next time you miss it or blow it, the enemy's going to come and he's going to tell you that you are something that you are not. He's such a knucklehead. He will lead you to do things that you shouldn't do. And then he will tell you, look how bad you are for the thing that you just did. He's really sneaky, but he doesn't have any new tricks. And once you realize who you are, whose you belong to, whom's you belong to, who's you, who you belong to. <laughs> once you realize that, then you won't waver in your stability in life because you realize there's a difference between your identity and your function or your assignment or what you're doing. This is incredibly important. Once this gets shirt up, then, somebody's, then somebody is ready. They're ready for battle. Because the more you, this is what I found, the more you step out in what the Lord's called you to do, the more the enemy will come against you. Now, I don't even, I almost anymore, I don't even like talking about that because I've seen spiritual warfare blown, and I at times have blown it out of proportion too, I'll, I'll admit it. But I've seen it blown so far out of proportion. One of the songs we sang is that will um, sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. The Bible says that, the, that there's a table set bef before you in the presence of your enemies or for you in the presence of your enemies. You don't have to be concerned about the devil. You just have to know his lies and deceptions. You don't have to be, you don't need to go and spend a bunch of time wailing and travailing and crying and pleading and, you know, all this. You don't need to do all that stuff. Don't do that stuff. You're probably going to invite demons in in ways that you don't even want to do anyways, all right? <laughs> you fulfill, you stay rooted and grounded in your identity, and then you fulfill your purpose being with Jesus. The assignment will pretty much just happen. It'll just, it'll just happen. And you'll find the enemy, he'll come and try to come against you. But when that happens, if you know your identity, you won't say, oh, the devil's just really been beating me up lately. Well, what do you mean? Are you trying to say that you're not a son of God? Are you trying to say that you haven't been born again by the Spirit of God? Are you trying to say that you've not been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all the rulers and powers and all of that? Are you trying to tell me that right now? Because if you are, I think you got an identity problem. Because once you know your identity, you don't have to question that stuff anymore. Does the enemy come and attack? Yeah, it's what he does. But you don't have to be beat down and underneath of the stuff that he would throw at you because Jesus has already defeated him and placed you in the seat of victory even though you didn't do anything to earn it. <laughs> that should put a huge smile on your face. Yes. Man, it's awesome. It's just what, what we call the gospel. It's like the nearly too good to be true news. It's too good to be true, but it's true, so it's like nearly too good to be true. It's, it's just incredible. 
what God did for us. And the only problem that we have is we just don't know what God has done for us. Let's finish this here in Genesis very quickly. It says in verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. I'll keep going. No, no. No. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll end good. Okay, it'll end good. This is the reason why women have such a hard time deciding where to eat. Because the last time they did, the whole world was thrown into a pit of despair. To be fair, to be fair, if the man had been doing what he was supposed to do, he would have crushed the head of the serpent right there, and Jesus wouldn't have had to do it thousands of years later. Come on, somebody. So men, take up your rightful position. Stand in the authority, lead your home well. And it says, and they, <laughs> then, oh, verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Let me give you another layer to this thing right here. And that is the calling of God is actually really the foundation. Because the calling is his voice to you, personal. It's personal. It's to you. <laughs> Sorry if you can't read that. I'm, I'm in a hurry. And when you... <laughs> when you hear the voice of the Lord calling to you, it will be to tell you who you are and that he wants to have relationship with you. Interesting, don't go and do a study on the word calling. It's, there's well over, I forget the number, well over 100 times in the New Testament alone, call, called, calling, calls. And almost all of it is in reference to the Lord speaking out, saying something, even by name, beckoning or inviting people to come into him. And the truth is, is that all of this, this whole thing starts with the Lord calling, saying, I want to have relationship and fellowship with you. But if this middle section, the purpose and ID is, if it is misplaced or not there or misunderstood, people will come in and they will start to try to fulfill their assignment. The worst thing you can do is try to fulfill assignment and maybe with a good heart, but is to try to fulfill assignment before you know who you are. And before you know your, your purpose, because if you start doing things, especially if you have success in what you're doing, you will replace your identity and your purpose. Even though God has called you, you'll replace it with your assignment. And when you do good at your assignment, you'll feel good. When you do poorly, you'll feel poorly. Trust me. I know I'm speaking from experience. Amen. The very first thing that the Lord did was that he called them. The very first thing the Lord is doing on this side of the cross towards you is that it's a call to you. And do you know what the Holy Spirit does? 
People don't even understand what the point is of the Holy Spirit. He is, he is not your condemner. He is your helper. It says that he has come, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter. He has come to convict, or you can say convince, either one of those words work, to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The world is speaking about everything that's within the world, the earth that we know it. And it said, then it goes on to say of sin because they believe not on me. Who is they? It wasn't the disciples, the ones he was talking to. It was the ones outside. He's come to convict them of the sin of not believing on Jesus. Next time you lead somebody to the Lord, don't lead them to the Lord saying the Lord will forgive you of your sins. Say the Lord will forgive you of your sin. Because now you have a new nature and your new birth and your new nature is not based on whether you sin or not. It's based on the fact that you have a new nature. The old sin nature is gone and now you have a new righteous nature. Every time somebody gets led to the Lord and they think it's because Jesus forgave them of their sins, pearl, as soon as they sin again, they think that they're not saved. If that's the case, we're all going to hell. You know why you're right with God? Because your sin nature was forgiven. But he says that he's come to convict the world. <laughs> Some of you are going to have to go back and listen to this message. You need to take notes and you need to go and study out what I'm saying and you'll, you'll see that it's right. Because some of you are like, I've never heard that before. It's fine. It's fine. You've heard it now. He came to convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. What is the sin? It's the sin of not believing in Jesus. There's one sin that will send you to hell. Have people, people ask me, what's the cardinal sin? What's the unpardonable sin? Rejecting Jesus. Beyond that, pfft. Man, God's grace covers all the junk that people find themselves into. Man, whether you're the worst sinner or the best sinner, it doesn't matter. You're still a sinner until you find Christ. It says to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. And now listen to this. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. What did he mean by that? He meant, what did he do when he went to his Father? He was seated with him. And what did it say about us that we are seated with him? And the Holy Spirit has come to convict the us because Jesus said to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. I'm trying to read all this in my mind because I don't have it in front of me. Of sin because they believe not on me and of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. What is the Holy Spirit convicting the you, the believers of? That you're righteous. Yeah, amen. I deserve a lot more than that. Preaching a lot better than your amening. <laughs> he has come to convict believers that they are righteous, not that they're unrighteous. 
Anytime you hear a voice that says you nothing, no good for nothing, worthless, da 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 da, and it puts a label attached to your identity that's something different than what God says about you, it's a lie, it's from the enemy, you need to cast it off, and you need to know that the Holy Spirit is there telling you, you are right with me, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who you're, that's what your identity is right there. That's your identity that you have in Christ. And even when you blow your assignment, even when you miss your purpose, who in here missed a few days of Bible study and reading and stuff last year? Yeah, and in prayer. Yeah, we've done that. Even though you've missed your purpose from time to time, which we don't want to, but we've done that, it doesn't change who we are. <sighs> okay, let's finish with this passage right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, Jesus. I have one minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I've given myself one minute. You say, can't you go longer? I can. But if I give myself longer, it'll go even longer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Man, does this not light anybody's? Gosh. As the old saying goes, if. Yeah. If this doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Thank you. Yes. Look at here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I love the fact that every time I go into the presence of God, he reminds me about who I am, not about who I'm not or about my mistakes. You know, when he had, um, he had Gideon, I love the story of Gideon. He had Gideon who was, uh, was he threshing wheat in the wine press? There's so much I could say about that, but he spoke out to Gideon. The reason Gideon was there was because he was hiding. He was in fear. You know what God said to him? He said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. It's because the Lord has a habit of seeing us for who we are and seeing our future and not for what we're dealing with or our past. He deals with us present future, not present past. We deal with us according to the word of the enemy, present past. If you're lingering in your past, you're listening to the wrong voice and you're not gonna fulfill your assignment. You need to change your identity to God sees me as holy and as right with him. And what will happen is that you'll actually, you'll fulfill your assignment accidentally. You won't even have to try. You'd have to try not to because when someone knows who they are, they just take marching orders from Jesus every day. And they, the, the, this is the righteous are as bold as lions. And it can't be based on our actions. If it's based on your actions, then you're self-righteous. Because no matter how righteous you are in your actions, you're never going to be righteous, righteous enough to truly consider to be righteous. The only way you can really call your, yourself righteous is because you have been saved, forgiven, and God has made you that way. But once you know what you got, you're as bold as a lion. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Notice it's weapons. What are the weapons? The word, thanksgiving, prayer, worship, all of those things. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. And that word arguments there, King James calls it imaginations. The J.B. Phillips calls it every deceptive fantasy. The New American Standard calls it speculations. 
this is where the war is at. It's in our minds with the enemy coming in and telling us that we are something different than what God says about us. He's trying to get you to believe something different, a different report than the report that God's given you about you. You remember the Stuart Smalley years ago on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> yeah. I remember him. Don't go watch it. But he said, uh, I, do, I do that. I know. It's t- I, I need to repent. He says, he would say, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. Anybody remember that? <laughs> it was whatever. Some of us need to do that spiritually about ourselves. We need to look into the perfect law of liberty to the word of God and say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, God loves me. You got to repeat the right language. The enemy speaks things about you that is not the same as what God speaks about you. This word for carnal here is the Greek word sarkikos. And I know I'm saying that exactly right. And it means to be, now listen, it means to be governed by human nature and strength as opposed to being governed by God's spirit. So when it's saying the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, it means that our warfare, what we use, it's not governed by human ability, human imagination, human strength. It's governed by the weapons of God. Amen. Last verse, James 4, 7 says this. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I've heard for years, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that word resist means to actively fight against. I believe that. But if you take that out of submission to God, you will find yourself doing warfare that God never intended you to do. Because when you submit yourself to God, you are submitting yourself to what he says about you. And if you go back and look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where we were just reading, and it says, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Who is Christ to you? He is your savior and he is your prototype in the spirit. People say, I want to do things just like Jesus did. Then believe that you are who God says you are, just like Jesus believed that he was who God said that he was. And whenever you submit yourself to God, you'll start to believe different about what God, about who you really are. It's wrong. For, it, is, it is wrong for you to call yourself a sinner once you've been saved. You know why? Because once you're a, people say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. What you, <laughs> if you've been saved by grace, you're not an old sinner. Do you sin sometimes? Yeah. You have been saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit has been saved. Your soul is in the process of being saved, and your body one day will be saved. For now, you need to take on the identity you have in Christ. Declare that, proclaim that, profess it, speak it. To confess something means to say, it means to say the same thing as. So when you have confessions, like you're confessing the word, you're declaring the word, what you're doing is you're just saying 
what's already been said. And when you come into agreement with it, that's what makes it a working reality in your life. This cannot be a reality in your life if you don't speak it out of your mouth. There is a voice speaking to you. There are two voices that are speaking to you. There's a voice of truth and there's the lies that are coming to you. And if you don't take truth and speak it, the lies will overwhelm you. You cannot overcome the warfare in your mind by thinking your way out of it. Promise you, I've, tr I've tried. It doesn't work. The way you overcome the warfare in your mind is you speak your, you speak your way out of it. You fight your way out of it. And it's not fighting to defeat the enemy. It's fighting to take control of the thoughts that are coming to you. Thoughts that say you're not worthy, you're not enough, you're, you're unholy, you're not right with God, you've screwed it up too bad, your past is too big, and it's overwhelming your future. It's whatever. The, the things you don't like about yourself that you look at in the natural, the, the natural, the, everybody's got all that stuff. What are you going to believe about you? Are you going to believe what God says? You're going to believe all that other junk. Because if you believe what God says and just start speaking that, you watch how your assignment will just, it'll just lay out in front of you in your life. It'll just work. It'll be a byproduct of someone who's really strong and secure in who they are. Adam and Eve's assignment got thwarted because their identity got robbed. And because their identity got robbed, notice that the Lord, he said, he went and called and he said, he said, where are you? And they immediately went back into talking about the stuff that the devil had done and what they had done and this, that, and the other. The Lord wasn't looking for all that mumbo jumbo. He was just wanting to fellowship with them. When your identity gets robbed, your purpose will be stolen from you and your assignment will, will remain unfulfilled. You want to find the place in the world with the most potential? Go to a graveyard. Lots of potential in a graveyard because most people go to their grave never fulfilling their assignment because they didn't operate in purpose because they never knew their identity. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.